Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and man, I am pumped for today's episode of Half the Battle, because guys, first up, we got one of the best nutritionists in the game. I'm talking about nutrition. Some of his clients include the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter on planet Earth, Johnny Bones Jones, UFC Hall of Famer BJ Penn, former UFC welterweight champion Johnny Hendricks, just to name a few. And then we're going to talk to the UFC's newest welterweight, Bilal Muhammad. This is a guy that just won the Titan FC welterweight belt. He beat down Steve Carl. And then you guys heard about Tarek Safadine getting an injury. You, you saw his fight against Rick Story. Word on the street is they called Bilal up to potentially step up and take the fight with Rick Story. So, you know, we're going to talk all about that. And then to cap off the show, we got Desmond Green on, man. This is a guy who, you know, we all know he's UFC caliber. We've all been watching Desmond Green fight for a while. And now I finally get to talk to him right here, right now on Half the Battle. So I'm pumped for you guys to check this out. And thank you so much for the support, guys. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. And joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Lou Trition. Lou, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Now, dude, I'm not even going to tiptoe around the subject here. So let's say I'm a pro fighter at the highest level and my manager says to me, dude, you got to get your nutrition in order and I can afford any nutritionist. So my manager gives me three options. He says, look, you can either call Dolce, you can call George Lockhart, or you can call nutrition. Why should I call nutrition? It's actually an easy answer for me. If you're planning on cutting a lot of weight and you need to be rehydrated after being dehydrated, then you certainly don't want to call nutrition. Um, if you want to learn how to manage your weight, be healthy all year round, learn how to increase your strength while keeping your weight down and not having to worry about making weight and rehydrating dehydrated, then you call nutrition. It's really simple, actually. Yeah, it's uh, like your, uh, you know, your slogan says, man, you don't cut weight, you manage it. Now, let me ask you this. So you get, you get guys like Johnny Hendricks, and he looks the best he's ever looked. You, know, you never see Johnny Hendricks that low on fight week. He comes in with a six-pack. Now, the performance didn't go his way, but that actually had nothing to do with you. That's just credit to Stephen Thompson being an incredible fighter. You know? but, yep. but Johnny Hendricks looking that good, I mean... It must have felt good for you to see a guy like that who used to struggle, and then all of a sudden on fight week, he barely has to cut any weight. You know, it, it was kind of like a double-edged sword. And I'm so happy you said it the way that you did, because a lot of people, you know, don't want to give Steven credit for the win, which is crazy to me. They want to blame, oh, he was too light, Johnny was too light. Steven is an excellent fighter, you know, so let, let's not give, uh, not forget to give Steven his credit, you know, but... As far as I'm concerned, and, and again, maybe that's another difference for me, and, and I've been told this by other guys, you know, uh, fighters, you know, yeah, technically my job was done. Johnny made weight. He was in the best shape of his life. But you know what? If, if my guy loses, then my job's not done, and I have to figure out how I can help them be even better. You know, I win with my guys. I lose with my guys. I stand behind my guys. I'm not just there to take pictures when they win and disappear when they lose. You know, so... Um, on one hand, yes, it, it was it was very great. It, you know, felt great to see, but my job wasn't done. You know, we didn't get the W, so now we're going to figure out what, what else we can do to, to make sure that that doesn't happen again. 
And, you know, for you, how do you deal with that criticism? Because, like we briefly alluded to, a lot of people don't really understand that it was just a matter of Steven being the better guy in there. And they try to act like, oh, he had a new nutritionist. That's why he lost the fight. Whereas, like, <laughs> you know, a anyone that's a realistic person or really understands the yeah. sport knows that, you know, he looked the best he ever looked. This is a guy who, right. wh when he was the champion, he had to weigh in a second time. You know, ch uh, champion yeah. champions yeah. don't do that. But for you, he comes in with a six-pack, and then obviously Steven was just a better man. So how do you deal with, yeah. the, with the criticism? I I'm not going to lie. When it, when it first started happening, you know, when I fight, I've only been involved in the UFC for not even a year yet. So, so when it first started happening, you know, it definitely bothered me. It definitely uh, affected me because I come from a place of genuinely – trying to help people i'm not trying to help my business grow by selling lies so i look at it like man you know people people want to attack me and all i'm trying to do is really help people and then i had to think about where it was coming from you know and who was saying these things and and now i laugh at it it's, it's kind of a joke to me it's like you know the guy who who's you know never been in shape in his life is going to make fun of a guy for being heavy i mean that's just the world that we live in you know so um, I, I just laugh at it. It's kind of a joke. And at this point, really, there's only one person who who, who wants to mouth off and, and, and talk, you know, talk negative of me and, and Johnny. And, and that's somebody that obviously uh, Johnny used before and actually missed weight with. So, you know, maybe he needs to worry more about his business and less about mine. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, Dominic Cruz, you know, yesterday some some internet troll made a comment to him about how, uh, oh, you never finish fights. And, you know, Cruz, he's a champion. He didn't have to respond, but he, he's a really witty dude. And he responded with the most hilarious answer. He's like, it's, it sounds like you need to concentrate on finishing that cheeseburger, you know, based on your fat yeah. face. <laughs> so, dude, I, I was that's dying when great. I saw that. Yeah, that's, that's great. And you know what? I, I, I'm at that point, you know, I'm so torn because in the beginning, you know, I don't, I don't like to play those games in a sense, but, you know, some of these people are just ridiculous. You know, the, the comments that they make are just ridiculous. And then you go and you look at their page, like I said, it's like, man, you're, you're 400 pounds still living in your parents' basement, you know, and, and, and um, I just, it's just crazy to me, you know, but you got to laugh at it. You got to laugh at it. Yeah, man. Well, you know what? Now you're one of your clients. I don't know if you like to call them clients or whatever you like to call them, but you know, one of the guys you're working with just happens to be the best pound for pound fighter on planet Earth. And I'm talking about Johnny Bones Jones. And I mean, this is a dude that, you know, as a fan of the sport, I look I look up to him a lot. And you know, a lot of people like to trash him because of things that have happened outside the octagon. But for me, I see I see a man that's overcome adversity. I see a guy that put his head down and grind and came back from a 15-month layoff and won a fight against the number five guy on planet Earth, 50-44. Right. So he wins this fight 50-44 after a 15-month layoff, and people are acting like he didn't look the same. That To me, that that that's like me getting an A on an exam and people telling me that I failed. Yeah, it, you know what? It's, it's so funny because, you know, getting to work with John, and that's the other thing, you know, people want to, people want, oh, Johnny Hendricks was too light, and okay, well, if I'm doing such a bad job, then how do I go from Johnny Hendricks to the number one best fighter in the world, then to Andre Orlovsky, then to BJ Penn? So, you know, I, I guess I can't be doing that bad of a job, number one. Number two, um, here's the thing. I spent 10 weeks with John Jones. I really got to know John Jones, the person. And you know what? Everybody who wants to criticize, everybody who wants to make comments, I challenge them to be followed around with a camera 24-7, have everything that they do filmed and videotaped. You need to tell me that these people that are going to criticize and point fingers 
walk the straightest line and never do anything that they're not supposed to do. It's it's a joke, you know. It really is a joke. And uh, again, it, these people just have nothing better to do. You know, they don't report the things that John does when nobody's filming. Like, you know, give you know, give some homeless guy a bunch of clothes. You know, pay for somebody's stuff in Kmart because you know he could. You know, maybe they're struggling to to, to pay. You know, um, uh, the bill. It, nobody sees that. Nobody reports that. That's because that's who John really is. You know. People who feel the need to brag about those things are just doing it for the attention. You never hear John mention it. Why? Because that's just that's just who he is. You know, so um, you're 100% right. You know, these, these people need to kind of, uh, maybe they weren't hugged enough as, as children. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, another thing about John Jones, I had uh, my buddy Cheeto Vera on my show, Half the Battle. He's the first Ecuadorian fighter in UFC history. And he was coming off, nice. you know, tough Latino America. And then he went to go train at Jackson's. And he said that John Jones would, you know, give all the all the guys like him, he'd give them clothes, he'd give them equipment, he'd take them out with yeah. him. I mean, he's just yeah. such a nice, giving guy. And just because he made some mistakes, I mean, we've all made mistakes before, you know? So I, Every, Everybody has, yeah. It's about uh, overcoming those mistakes, you know, overcoming adversity. That's what a champion does. Uh, well, absolutely. And here's the thing is, you know, again, at that gym, you have so many people that, that go there. And John's the first guy. Imagine this, the best fighter in the world, nine-time world champion. He's the first guy that goes up to the new guy. You know, he's the first guy that, that welcomes him there. Make sure that, that, that they're, you know, comfortable if they need anything. You know, um, he's the first guy that does that. He goes out of his way. To, to do that. And again, these are things that are never reported. Why? Because that's just who John is, is as a person, you know, but again, when I first started, you know, even back to Johnny Hendricks, I, I see all these people talking negative, making fun, talking negative about him and his wife. I go out and I meet the guy, I meet his wife. And I'm like, there's some of the nicest people in the world. You know, uh, it, it's just, it's just crazy to me. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And to criticize John's fight, let me just touch that real quick. What these guys don't understand John, and the reason why he's a nine-time world champion is just because of his work ethic and how he, he trains and studies. You know, he studied Cormier's film for eight weeks while the fight was still on over Cormier. I mean, eight weeks, that's all we did. We would train, we would eat, we would rest, and we would study, 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 study. So for eight weeks, imagine obsessing over a math test. You know, you got this math test that you're going to take. And then two weeks out, they come in and like, yeah, all right, listen, you're not going to do this math test. Now you're going to take a test on English. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you go from a you go from Olympic caliber wrestler who doesn't really have knockout power, who doesn't you know doesn't have a long reach or anything like that, and somebody that you've already fought, to now fighting an unorthodox southpaw with crazy knockout power, with good reach. You know, I think John fought the perfect fight. He did what he needed to do to win, and uh, you know that's all there is to it. He looked great. Yeah, you uh, you give the analogy of you know switching from a math test to an English test. He still got an A on that English test. I know exactly, and that's again, and that's what people don't don't want to you know they want to overlook. I think what happens is you know when you get to that point, when you get to be the greatest fighter of all time, the expectation constantly rises, constantly rises. You know, and here's what I say about John. You know, the reason why I feel he's the best fighter in the world is because John's not the best fighter at doing what he does best. John is the best at beating guys at what they do best. He's the only fighter that actually takes that risk. Oh, you're a jiu-jitsu guy? Okay, I'm going to submit you. And I'm a white belt, by the way. Oh, you're a boxer? Okay, well, I'm going to outbox you. Oh, you like to hold guys against the cage and dirty box them? Okay, well, I'm going to do that. What other fighter does that? 
you know, Anderson Silva was the best at being Anderson Silva. You know, Conor McGregor is great at being Conor McGregor. John's like, what are you best at? Well, I'm going to beat you there. Oh, you're a wrestler? I'm going to out-wrestle you. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's the thing I love about John Jones, him beating guys at their own game. You know, it's something I talk about a lot, and other people have tried to take that approach. You recall a fight between Gunnar Nelson and Damian Maya, where Gunnar Nelson goes out there and he's like, "I'm going to outgrapple Damian Maya," and we all saw how that yeah. went. So, uh, you know, there's there's only yeah. there's only one John Jones. But I got to ask you this, Lou: Are, are we expecting yeah. a, are we expecting a finish here against DC? You know what? I- I have all the respect in the world for DC. I respect anybody who steps into that cage and fights. Um, you know, I, I really think at this stage of the game, I think John is just on another level, and, and he's, he's motivated in a way that from everything I've seen and heard, you know, on another level, I think that you're definitely going to see an out, a different outcome for this fight. I don't think it's going to go five rounds to a decision. Yeah, and as a betting man, I don't think it will either, but it's good to hear from people that, you know, are – are inside the camp like yourself. So, I mean, if you're confident, that makes me more confident. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm always confident in my guys. Good, man. Now, uh, you know, I-, I know you probably don't want to talk about this, but we got to, man. The fans want to hear what happened with BJ Penn. You know, and he, he released a great statement on BJPenn.com, you know, and which I think just goes to show you the type of person that he is. BJ is... is uh, I can't say enough good things about BJ Penn. You know, I got to spend a few weeks with him wrestling every day. And then obviously when I was out there in John's camp, you know, I got to see him uh, frequently. Um, well, well, basically what happened was is I, I think BJ, myself, the team, and now every other fighter in the world, because I really feel that nobody knew this rule, uh, now knows the rule about the, the, the use of IV during the year. Originally, you know, remember the job that I have is, specifically to help guys make weight, rehydrate. And the reason why I was so adamant about the IV ban is because if you need an IV to rehydrate, then you're doing something wrong. You know, and that's all I thought the IV ban was for. Every headline, you know, they're banning IVs for use of rehydration, right? Never did I think that, okay, if you can't, you, you can't use an IV throughout the year. So in other words, let's say you get food poisoning and you're, you know, you're throwing up, you're so sick, you go to the hospital and you're so dehydrated because of food poisoning, not because of training, not because of anything, dieting, you got food poisoning. Well, you cannot get an IV of more than 50 mLs every six hours. I'm not a doctor, but if you're that dehydrated from food poisoning, that's not going to do anything for you. And the crazy thing is, is if you do get an IV of more than 250 mLs of just basic saline solution, they would never know that. All BJ Penn did was he was asked a question by USADA when they did a random test. Hey, man, when's the last time you used an IV? He goes, oh, about a week ago. They showed up, I think, the next day at 5.30 in the morning and took blood and urine. But like, what, what are you going to catch BJ Penn doing? Right. You know, he's got nothing to hide. He told you what he did. He told you what was in it. It's not a banned substance. It's not a performance-enhancing substance. It's because he used an IV of more than 50 mLs every six hours. So they slap him on the fly and they pull him from the card and, and now everybody learned this lesson that, hey, guess what? If you have one or two choices, either don't say anything because they're never going to catch it or you can't use an IV, you know, for, for more than 50 mLs um, out of, you know, uh, period. Now, I think it's something crazy like, God forbid, you get into a car accident and, and you know, you're, you're bleeding to death. You don't have to call USADA and, and get the approval. But here's the thing, you know, I'm not, I'm not ragging on USADA and, and neither was BJ. You know, we're, we're for them. BJ's always been for them. You know, clean up the sport, that's great. I just wish they did a better job 
at explaining this ruling because, again, even a guy who's in the industry to help fighters make weight and not need IV, I had no idea. No idea that you couldn't use an IV. And a lot of other great fighters, top-ranked fighters, had no clue either. So what does that tell you? Now, you're not BJ Penn, but you know him. Can you answer why he was using an IV a week ago? I can. I mean, that, that was in March. You know, he, he, he did that before him and I even started working together. I didn't know about it until he got the phone call from USADA saying, you know, USADA didn't inform him, I think, until a, few, a month and a half afterwards. So none of us really knew. I mean, none like, of us really knew. Was, it, was he dehydrated? Was he food poisoning? No, no, no. I had, had nothing, nothing to do with dehydration. DJ's weight has been great. You know, we've been, I've been feeding him a ton of food. Um, it had nothing to do with dehydration or anything like that. Um, and again, it wasn't a banned substance. It wasn't a performance enhancing substance, you know? Um, so the issue was just the fact that it was administered. It had nothing to do with dehydration or anything like that. You know, BJ made a comment that, you know, that IVs are for wimps and he stands by that comment because even him was referring to, if you need an IV to rehydrate after you weigh in, there's a problem. You know, he's never done that in his career ever, never done that. You know, so it's one of those things. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if this is the point USADA was trying to make with the IV ban is maybe they're implying that you can mask certain things by taking an IV. Now, I don't know the science behind that, but can you comment yeah, on that? Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it, it, you can you could certainly mask certain things if you flood the system with a whole bunch of stuff, you know, but there was no flooding of the system, especially with, you know, with BJ. It was out of competition, and it was four months before his actual fight. So no matter what he even put in the IV, he's not going to get the benefit of it four months later, you know, four months later. Like, I know myself, I, I've been very vocal about it. I, I have certain medical conditions where, you know, my body doesn't absorb certain kinds of, of vitamins, you know, and, and I can take vitamins orally, but my body's not going to absorb it. So one of the most effective ways for me to get certain vitamins that my body needs is through IV. You know, I mean, you can go to a, a spa and, and they, they're giving, you know, vitamin C, vitamin B, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And the body just tends to absorb it much better. There's a reason when you go to the hospital and you are dehydrated, they don't hand you a couple of pills. They put an IV in your arm because you know, your body's going to respond to it a little bit better. So, you know, there are a lot of health benefits to it. But if you need it to rehydrate because you cut too much weight, I'm against that completely, if that makes sense. No, absolutely, it makes sense. Now, let's move on to, you know, some of your methods and philosophies and theories and stuff like that, you know. So, a lot of people like to talk about that cheat meal or that earned meal. I mean, what's your stance on that, man? Like, if, I, if I'm if i training hard all week and I'm sticking to my meal plan and my nutrition's on point, am I allowed to go out and mm -hmm. have pizza one night? See, here's, here's the thing. For me, it's, it's, I do everything from a mental standpoint. I think that's what separates me from, from everybody else. That's why I'm the minority, because I come at it from a mental standpoint. Take the word cheat meal or cheat. You know, well, why do people cheat on tests? They cheat on tests because they don't know what's on there. Why do people cheat on their significant others? They cheat on them because they're not being satisfied in some way, shape, or form. So if you feel the need to cheat or have a cheat meal, then you're not on the right meal plan. So the way that I structure everything, again, because I approach it from a mental standpoint, is if we're training and if we're eating and the metabolism's firing the way that we need it to, and you're craving something, you really want something, okay, well, then we're going to have it. We're going to move some pieces around. We're not going to look at it as, okay, we're just going to have a full-blown eat whatever we want because that can ruin what you just did the entire week. You know, 
So the psychology behind having a cheat meal, you're always going to feel guilty about it. You're always going to feel bad about it. You know, and that's why people tend to fail on diets because they're on the wrong program. If you're on the right program, then, then there's never a need to cheat, if that makes sense. It does make sense, but how do I go about it, man? I mean, is it a one-time-a-week thing? Is it, how, do I, how do I approach this? You, you, you know, you try to limit it, of course. You, John and I had posted a video. It was actually pretty funny. About a week before his fight, three days, four days before we left for Vegas, we had just finished our first camp together. It was a Friday night, so it was the last day of the training for that camp. You know, him and I went out to dinner. Um, you know, we got our normal food that we, you know, normally would eat. And then he looked at me and he was like, Hey man, what do you think about, you know, celebrating, having a little bit of dessert? I said, you know what, let's do it. Now I'm a guy who 95% of the time I don't do dairy. I stay away from dairy. Um, but, and I say 95% cause I leave that 5% for, for times like this. So we ordered dessert. We actually took a video of it, put it up on my Instagram. And I said, you know, every once in a while, you got to do something for the mental, you know, you got to do it for the mind. We had a really hard training week. We enjoyed it. But it's not something that you want to do every day, all day long. You know, you want to limit it and, and certainly don't overdo it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Now, for something like red meat, you know, I've heard from doctors say mm-hmm. that, you know, you should only eat red meat once a week. What's your, what's your take on that? Right. Here's the thing, you know, when it, when it comes to, to red meat, when it comes to any kind of meat or anything like that, I've always been a guy that preaches, hey, whatever works for you. I'm not that cult guy like everybody else in the industry that figured out, well, what works for me? So now this is what's going to save the world. You can find studies on, on never eating red meat, only eating it once a week, twice a week, a thousand times a day, everything in between. You know, people use the word in moderation, I think, too loosely. Um, I do eat red meat. I try to limit it as much as I can. I don't think that you need to eat it all the time. Um, but there are some health benefits to it if it's your choice. To eat meat, then I would try to limit it to, you know, once to twice a week. If you don't eat red meat, that is okay. You can still get the same nutrients in other foods, you know, so it's, it's not something that is uh, necessary. Well, thank you for telling me that, my friend, because now, uh, you know, I'm going to use that and apply it going forward. So I got to know, man. I mean, obviously, UFC 200 is coming up. You got John Jones. What else you got coming up? Well, you know, here's the thing. Obviously, I was planning on being uh, – getting on a plane in a few days to, uh, to LA, you know, I just flew home last night. I have not been home. And I think the most I've been home is, is 10 days uh, since February. So, you know, uh, I'm going to take the next few days and just spend some time with my family, spend some time with my friends. I haven't seen them in a while and, and, you know, kind of regroup. I've been talking to a lot of different fighters about the future, uh, about uh, cards coming up, even post UFC 200, um, new guys, same guys, uh, I'm just going to take a few days, figure some stuff out, regroup, and, and then, you know, kind of see, see where I'm going. I'll probably be getting on a plane soon, uh, and I'll be letting everybody know what, what's going on. But I'm going to definitely take a few days to kind of, you know, see my family, spend some time with them. No, absolutely. And uh, you working with Johnny for 200 as well? Always. You know, uh, Hendricks is a, is a guy that I've been fully committed to from day one. You know, I'm also in his corner. So, um, Johnny and I have always, we still communicate, you know, on a weekly basis as coaches ever since February. Um, you know, so I, I, absolutely. That's what I like to hear, man. So I, I can fully expect, uh, Johnny Hendricks and Johnny Bones Jones to show up, uh, on the scales at championship weight and have the performances of their careers. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, with, with, with Hendricks for this camp, we're actually going to do a couple of things differently. You know, you're going to see, uh, it, it's going to be great, man. It, it really is. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. And even BJ, man, you, you, had, you know, we didn't release any pictures, but, man, BJ was looking so good. 
lean, healthy. I mean, when he comes back, when he finally makes his return, which he will, it's going to be it's going to be insane. So you know, definitely keep your eye out for that. Hopefully, we can announce when he's fighting again. Um, and and you know, we're gonna we're gonna finish what we started, and it's going to be epic. Yeah, I hope BJ keeps his spirits up because I mean, it sounded to me oh, like he, will. like he, will. he, he was he motivated, will. in shape, and ready to go. You know, it's funny. I, I, like I said, I was just with him. I left uh, two days ago, and uh, we were talking. And you know, we 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 listen. And anything in life, you could always look at two sides of everything, negative and the positive. And and him and I just agreed that hey, you know what? Here's the positive. We got to learn a lot about what works for us, what doesn't work for us, and the bad thing is. They're just giving us more time together. And I always say that, you know, if you give me a lot of time with the guy, like Andre Orlowski, I only had him for two weeks. John, I had for 10 weeks. I only had Orlowski for, for two weeks. You know, Andre's next fight, wait till you see how he looks and how he performs. Because now we're going to have more time together. They're going to give me more time with BJ. It's going to be even worse. You know, so it, it, it's, it's definitely a positive thing. You know, he's going to get to go home, see his family. Um, he's been in Albuquerque for six months. You know, so imagine being away from your family, your kids for six months. So he's going to go home. We're going to regroup, uh, figure some stuff out. And, and man, we're, we're excited about it. We really are. We learned a lot. So Awesome. Well, Lou, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Let the audience know where to follow you on social media and anything else coming up, anything you want to plug. Now's the time, my man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Shannon, you can check me out on, on Instagram. is at Lou Trishan. My... Uh, my Facebook is Lutrition, Twitter is at Lou underscore Trishan. I have a uh, website that's Lutrition.net. I also own a supplement company, all clean, really good supplements. Uh, that's Nutrition, N-U-E-Trition.com. I want to give a shout-out to the best PR rep in the world, in the business industry, Brian Levick. You know, he's like a brother to me. Um, he, he's just the best in the world, and, uh, you know, that's, that's really it, brother. Yeah, shout out to Brian Levick for setting this up. Really good dude. And shout out to our boy James Lynch. You know, I've I've heard uh, and watched. You know, uh, he's the man. Yeah, he's the man. I love James Lynch. Oh, yeah, I love James Lynch. You know, I've seen all, all your interviews with him. So, you know, came in here prepared. Much love to all those guys. And, uh, dude, thanks again for taking the time. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. Hopefully we can do it again. You know, I have some big announcements coming out in the next few weeks. So, uh, you know, just, just reach out to Brian and, and let's do it again, man. I had a blast. Thank you. Absolutely, we will, man. Have a great day, Lou. You too. Take care. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is the UFC's newest welterweight, Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. What's it How's it going? It's going amazing. Thanks for asking. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm good, man. Excited to just finish working out, so. Yeah, dude, I mean, I don't even know where to start, man. I mean, you uh, you whooped some dude's ass about a week or two ago, and then you got the call to fight in the UFC. So, I mean, well, obviously, that was the better feeling to get that call, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a great, it was a great feeling. Uh, like you said, I uh, something I always expected to happen anyway, so, you know, it just felt good that they started to notice. Yeah, and we'll get to the Steve Carl fight in a sec, but like uh, before this interview, you know, I like to do my research on the guys I'm talking to. I just watched your fight with Chris Curtis, and dude, all right, we got to talk about that fight real quick. So <laughs> at, at the end of the fight, so you guys have 15 minutes to go in there and settle your differences and fight each other, but after the <laughs> fight was over, he still tried to fight you. Uh, what what happened there, man? Uh, man, it was one of those where. Before the fight, he was a guy that was talking a whole lot of trash. I'm not the type to talk before a fight. I mean, we're getting in the cage. 
I don't need to pump myself up for fighting to the, to make myself hate somebody. But I, I never even knew the guy. I never met the guy before. And he's 45, he's pumping up like, oh, I'm about to fight this guy. He's a bum. He's not going to do anything for my career. He's only, he's only at the time I was five and all. He's like, I'm he's not going to do nothing for my career. It should be an easy fight. I'm going to, I'm going to dominate him. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to make light work of him. But, and I don't think I'm going to get anything out of the fight. So I don't expect to get a call or anything after this because he's really not really a name opponent. And I was like, where the hell is this guy coming from? And then at the weigh-ins, um, you know, he had to do the face-off at the weigh-ins, and the guy's like putting his hand up like he's about to slap me at the weigh-ins. And I'm like, okay, this guy wants to, this is that, this is going to be that type of fight. So, you know, I was winning the first two rounds easily. And then uh, the third round, I ended up taking his back. And it was kind of like a Koscheck Paul Daly thing where I'm sitting there slapping him because I said, oh, you want to you act like you're slapping me at the weigh-ins. So I'm sitting there looking at the crowd and to my brother and stuff. Look at him uh, slapping him in the middle in the face because I had his back the whole round. So it was just one of those where he got mad because he got dominated the whole fight. So it was just funny. Were y'all uh, talking any shit to each other in that third round while you had his back? Yeah, yeah, I was I was talking fast and I was like, oh yeah, you want to slap me, huh? You want to slap me? And I was like, opening my palm, putting it in front of his face and slapping him. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, because whenever I watch fights, I always turn off the commentary because I want to make sure. I really hear what's going on in there, and they obviously don't mic up the fighters, so I couldn't hear, you know, what you guys were saying to each other. But it's good to know the backstory. Now it all makes sense. Now let's go back to the first round of that fight. You know, you were doing some really interesting things in there. You'd kick him in the body, and you know, we know Chris is a striker, and he did what, uh, you know, what flashy strikers like to do when they get frustrated, and that's uh, they act a little cocky in there, and they try to mask the fact that they're frustrated with what you're doing. Could you tell, you know, after you kicked him with that really hard body shot and he starts putting his hands down, and he starts pointing at his chin, could you tell he was frustrated in there? Oh, yeah, yeah, I could see it in his face. He didn't have, like, no poker face at all. And I was like, and then uh, when I saw him throw a couple of punches, I was like, all right, he's not even that good of a striker, and that's his, like, go-to for striking. So I was like, all right, this is going to be an easy night. It's funny that he was just trying to talk trash and stuff during the fight, like, putting his hands up. I was like, you're losing. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, now a lot of your fights do go to decision, but that's also because they are three round fights in a championship fight. You know, you uh, as we saw in your last fight, you're a finisher, man. But it's interesting because you're really good at winning these wars of attrition. I mean, obviously you have a lot of clean performances, but if someone wants to test their heart against you, that's not a good idea either. Yeah, yeah I'm from Chicago, man, so I could get dirty in there, man, but. Like I said, people always say, oh, why don't you just get in there and bang and do this? I'm like, I mean, the point of the thing is to hit him without getting hit. This is not a street fight. This is mixed martial arts. It's an art. So you got to go in there and do things that you're going to do to win. But like you said, man, uh, I can get dirty if I have to, but none of the fights I've really been in so far, I haven't. I really haven't needed to use any of that yet. Right. Well, you're going to need to use it soon, my man, because in the UFC, it's a completely different ballgame. And a word on the street is that, they called you to fill in for Tarek when they thought that Tarek might have had a little knee injury, but then he got cleared. Is there any truth to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was willing to step up on that at the short notice at uh, any time. And I think that would have been like, a good fight. So I was, I was trying to call him ask him for that fight, too, but Tarek ended up uh, being good. Yeah, did you ever catch what the injury was? I mean, I heard it was a cut on his knee, which to me doesn't sound like a big deal, but do you, do you know for a fact what it was? Uh, yeah, I heard it was like a cut, like he had to get stitches on his knee from, uh, getting cut on a cage. And that's what I was wondering. I was like, if it's only stitches on the knee, I don't think that he's going to be really pulling out. Uh, so I was like really, uh, 
I really didn't think that uh, it would be that serious because I mean, it's, it's not like it's on high or anything like that. Well, right. I was really, I really didn't expect to get that fight anyway because I was like, there's no way he's gonna pull out from a cotton to me. Now let me ask you this because you are the fighter. Uh, you know, from a psychological standpoint, why do you think he uh, revealed that to them? Do you think he was looking for a way out, or do you think it was just normal procedure? Um, like yeah, honestly, like I mean, I, I think he was looking for a way out because I mean, fighters come up with injuries all the time, and then if you really want to fight, you're gonna hide your injury, mask it. And not let anybody know, especially your opponent. And then the fact that he like posted it quick, I was like, would he re- why would he really seriously post that? He has stitches on his knee and going to have to pull out. Like, if you really want to fight, I'll go in there with a broken arm and still fight without telling anybody. Yeah, I mean that's uh, the sign of a that's a sign of a world champion right there, man. So obviously you're not going to be fighting Rick Story in your UFC debut. But is there anything in the works right now? Or are you just waiting for that call? Uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for a call. Uh, my manager didn't talk to him, so hopefully something soon pops up. There we go, man. So now we got to talk about that fight with Steve Carl. So, you know, you went on my boy uh, James Lynch's show, and you said that Carl was going to underestimate you, and then you were going to knock him out. And what happened? Uh, you went out there, and, I mean, you taught this dude a lesson. And, you know, Carl's a vet of the sport. He's been around a long time. You know, he submitted Josh Berkman to win the World Series of Fighting Championship. I mean, he's been on the Ultimate Fighter before. He's got a name in this sport. And, uh, man, I really admire your work there, dude, the way you were mixing it up to the body. And it's interesting because he wanted a way out earlier than uh, he than when he folded. But he kept trying to be like, you know, I need to fight tough even though I don't want to be there anymore. What's it like for you when you have a guy that, you know, it, it, it's just it's prey out there. You know what I'm saying? You know that, like, he's going to go down soon, but he's trying his hardest to stay up even though he's not really swinging back that hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, with Carl, he, he was really tough, man. He had a, man, I was hitting him with some hard shots, man. He just kept coming forward, man. I knew that he was going to be a tough, uh, wasn't going to give up that quick. And, and like, uh, I was expecting him to be, like, done after, like, the third round, but he still came out, and he was still, like, still pushing and grinding, man. But, uh, I mean, like you said, uh, you don't want to sit there and, uh, try to, uh, go crazy at it when you see him hurting. So you don't want to keep rushing forward because, like you said, he's a veteran and he's been in the game. And like the fight before mine, he was—I thought—I thought I think he was losing in Russia, and then he ended up choking the guy out for like the last minute. So it's one of those where you still have to be careful, but you know the end is coming from. Now, absolutely. And have you been at Rufus Sport for the majority of your career? Uh, no, I've been in uh, Chicago a lot uh, with Chicago Fight Team uh, under Lewis Taylor, and I've been working with him. Uh, since the start of my career, he's been my high school wrestling coach, and he's been building me up since the uh, since the beginning. Now, so I'm still like working with him. I started with Rufus probably like the last three years. Like they're taking my game to a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, I, I gotta know what those uh, sparring sessions with you and uh, my boy Mike Biggie Rhodes are like. I know what happens in the gym stays in the gym, but uh, give us a little glimpse, man. Does it get pretty heated in there or what? Uh, man, no, like you said, man. Uh, iron sharpened iron, man, and. Uh, that, that gym's full of killers, man. It's we be going. It goes hard, man. Like you, you do nothing but you're not gonna you're not gonna get an easy session in that gym. Yeah, that's what we like to hear, man. And I'm sure uh, your boy Eric Coke is looking really good too. I know he's got a fight coming up in a couple days. Oh yeah, 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 man. Uh, I'm excited to see his comeback right now too, man. He's gonna he's looking really good, and uh, I'm excited for him to be back in the UFC. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. So I mean, obviously you'll fight anyone. You're a fighter, but is there someone specific that you wanna take out in your UFC debut? 
Uh, honestly, uh, it doesn't matter who, but um, for my fight with Steve Kyle, uh, Usman, the Ultimate Fighter winner, was uh, commentating that fight. And uh, he was saying a lot of stuff like it was supposed to be easy to beat me or something like that. And he was like surprised that Carl was the underdog from the beginning of the fight. So, I mean, I'd like to get in with him. That'd be a good fight to yeah. start off my uh, career with to get, get my name out there. Dude, that'd be a great fight because not only does he have a name because he won the Ultimate Fighter, but, you know, if you can stuff those takedowns, you might teach him a lesson on the feet. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm expecting. He has, like, the perfect style for me. And uh, the fact that he was so confident, like, why isn't Steve Carl taking him down? I wanted to like give him a shot to try to take me down to so get at him. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, how did your uh, wrestling get on point with your striking? Like, what did you have to do? You know, working with guys like Ben Askren or what? Uh, man, like I said, uh, uh, I've been doing. I do a lot of stuff with uh, Lewis Taylor. Like he's teaching me from the beginning. And then you got Ben Askren. Like both of them guys are like really dominant wrestlers. Where once they get a grip on you, it's uh, you're most likely going down. So if you got guys like that coming at you every day. It's going to be a uh, piece of cake in there when you're in a real fight. But the striking is what you gravitate towards most? That was the first discipline you learned? Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, striking is the first thing. Where I'm, 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 I enjoy striking. I like using my wrestling defense and keeping the fight on the feet. And then, um, like before, it was just basically just what I naturally had was just like punching and uh, kicking and stuff like that. But now that I'm just like Rufus, he teaches me how to put it all together and start learning how to get my combinations right, so. I mean, now it's just getting a lot more funner for me. Now, has there ever been a point where, you know, you had an opponent hurt and you weren't able to put them away, but you still had to know, hey, I got to conserve my gas tank just in case, you know, he doesn't go down? Exactly. Uh, I'm the type of guy that I could go all day. I'm, I do a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm actually trying to train for a triathlon now, the Chicago Triathlon in August. So I got the conditioning and go all day, all night. And um, now all I need to do, once I got my skills to put with that, it's going to be a bad night for anybody who goes against me. No, absolutely. And you're uh, very mentally strong. Where does your mental fortitude come from? Is it something that you grew up with? Is it something you developed through years of hard work? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's through years of hard work. And then, like, uh, a big thing is my coach, Lewis Taylor. He's the type that he wants to break me in, in, in the room, in the practice room. So when I get to the fight, it's just, like, simple. It's, piece, it's easy for me. So but when he gets to the point where even if I'm cutting weight, he's still pushing me. To my limits and then breaking me down so i'm just getting stronger and stronger after every practice that's what's up man now tell me about your background man i mean you got a very interesting name where's your family from uh they're from palestine actually okay that's yeah what, that's what's so, up man you ever go down i mean i know israel and stuff you ever go down to visit or what like what's the deal yeah, yeah i've been down to visit a bunch of times uh i mean it's a lot they're making it a lot harder nowadays with uh the war and everything going down there but like I, I'm still going down there and uh, visiting to see my homeland. That's what's up, man. It's a great place. You know, uh, I'm Jewish and you're Palestinian, and they say that, you know, we, we're not supposed to get along, but, I mean, we're proving that to be wrong here, you know, just by having this yeah, conversation. Exactly. You know what I'm saying, dude? And, like, for me, like, a bunch of my friends are Muslim, and, like, to me, I hate that there's that conflict, so I wish that they could find a way to have peace. Now, I know it, it, Now I know we're getting into some shit now, but let's get into it. Why not? You know, I know it goes back to the history of 1948 or whenever the year was, but neither you or myself were born back then, so it's like, why can't someone like you and I be friends? Yeah, exactly, man. It's not, it's not a religious thing or anything like that where... If you're Jewish, I'm gonna hate. I have to hate you. It's like programming me. I'm like, dude, it's people thing, man. If you're a good person, 
And I get along with you. I'm going to get along with you. I'm not going to sit there and look at, oh, he's Jewish. I should hate him right away. I'm like, what are you guys even doing? That, that makes no sense. It's not going to help anything. That's not going to make anything better. Yeah, I completely agree, and much respect to you, and much respect to your family, man. Now, so, I mean, what are your long-term goals in the sport, dude? I mean, obviously, you just reached one of your goals by getting signed to the UFC. How far do you want to take this, man? Man, honestly, man, if you're not in the sport to, to get the championship, to get the belt, there's no even point of fighting, man. I'm in the sport to be the best in the world, and that's to beat everybody that's in front of me and get to the top, man. I see myself being at the top in the top ten, top five within the next two to two years. So I'm coming for the belt no matter what. Now, I know when a lot of fighters give interviews, you know, the media guys, you know, they take these quotes completely out of context and, you know, they piss off the fighters a lot. I'm going to ask you on air. Can we call that an official uh, Kamara Usman call out or not? Yeah, you can definitely call it out. Okay. That's what's up, man. So, you know, you got a, you got a target. You want to take this guy out. And, man, I'd love to see that fight. That would be one hell of a fight, and uh, do you have a timetable of when you want to make your debut? Uh, man, I, I was looking to make my debut Sunday, so anytime they're ready to call me, I'm ready to step up. I'm always training, I'm always in shape, so whenever they're ready, I'm ready. Yeah, you're in shape, you're ready to go, that's what we like to hear, man, and once again, man, I love the hand fighting, to the body shots, those liver kicks, uh, just, just keep doing all that shit, man, just keep getting better, and you know, please keep uh, you know breaking dudes' wills. Thank you, brother, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, hey, Bilal, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media. And anything else you want to plug, let us know now, my man. All right. Thank you, man. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at BullyB170 or uh, Twitter at BullyB170 or Bilal Muhammad on uh, Facebook. I just want to give a shout out to uh, uh, my team in uh, Chicago, Chicago Fight Team, Rufus Sport, and uh, AFT in Chicago. And one, one thing real quick. You saw my boy uh, Biggie Rose make that tweet earlier with your Titan FC championship <laughs> belt. I got to know the story behind that. <laughs> no, man, that was just one of those uh, sparring days in the uh, day after the belt. So I was out of shape, so we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, there you go, my <laughs> man. Hey, Bilal, thanks again for taking the time, and have a great day, bro. All right, man, thanks. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Desmond Green. Des, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? How's it going? It's good go to be on the show. Yeah, man, it's good to have you. It's going amazing, dude, and uh, I'm not even going to bullshit you, man. You're a UFC-caliber fighter. What's it going to take for you to be in the UFC? Uh, man, I don't know yet, bro. I mean, I've been feeling the same way. I feel like... Uh, I feel like I'm close. I feel like if I put together a nice little win streak with some, um, you know, some mean performances and finishes, I think uh, they can't deny me any longer. Yeah, that's a good idea, man, because, I mean, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been taking out some dudes in Russia? Yeah, man, yeah, my last fight there two weeks ago. I mean, two months ago, I fucking uh, had a first-round KO. It was crazy. Um, Dr. Stoppage, the guy was just bleeding everywhere. Hey, what was that one you posted on your Facebook where you got the guy up against the fence and you're just pounding him, like, until the ref comes in and uh, stops it? Yeah, yeah, that was actually, that was against a UFC vet, um, Henry Martinez. That was my first, uh, that was actually my first UFC, I mean, no, that, yeah, that was my first UFC win. That was for the um, main state title. Yeah, that was another crazy finish. Yeah, I had, like, a game. Oh, wait, so that was uh, back in the day? 
Yeah, yeah, that was the old, that was the old footage. That was the old footage. Uh, okay, I thought for some reason I thought that was uh, something you did up in Russia, but regardless, man, I mean, do you think that uh, you think it's like those close decisions that have cost you? Because like in those fights, you're you know you arguably won, and if you if someone makes the argument that you didn't win, you were still very very competitive with uh, both Andre and Kurt. You know, I mean, you arguably won both yeah. those fights. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think, uh, you know, I definitely think that's what it was. Just those, uh, those decisions that, uh, you know, just didn't happen to go my way. And like you said, I definitely felt like, um, especially between Kurt and, um, Kurt and Andrew, I won both of those fights. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, like, hey, it, it actually shaped me into a better fighter. It made me realize, you know what I mean? That because of both of those fights, I felt like I could have did way more, but I felt like I was winning. So it helped me realize I can't, I can never be complacent. I always just gotta, always have my foot on the pedal. You know what I mean? Better, better happen now than the UFC. No, exactly. So do you feel like you're still like getting those lessons under your belt, so that when you do make your UFC debut, you know you've already had that experience and you're ready to go on a big streak? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I've learned, I've learned so much. Like I, I've only been fighting for three years. I just, I just graduated college and got done lesson for college in 2012, and that's when I started um, fighting. So you know, I got, although I have a lot of fights, I'm still so green when it comes to the knowledge of the martial arts and just judging and scoring and fighting. So I definitely, you know, like I said, I'd rather it happen now than later. You know, I feel like I'm making all the right adjustments. So by the time I do get into the UFC. You know, I'll just be, uh, you know, it, it won't be any kinks in my armor. Dude, that's, uh, you just put it into perspective for me. You've only been fighting three years. Holy shit. Because for me, like, you know, I've basically seen your entire career. And, like, you know, I see you, you know, take out guys like Mike Richmond, Rob Font, Miguel Torres, Steven yeah. Siler. So, you know, with a, lot, with a lot of these guys, before they go into their UFC debut, they have a very padded record. But for you, I mean, you're, you're already taking out serious seasoned vets of the game. Yeah, exactly. It actually helps my confidence, you know, just me knowing that, you know, already just being so young, I, I fought in the hardest guys. I've taken out the toughest guys, and uh, I'm still getting better while they, they plateaued, you know. Um, so it just, you know, it just it just reinforces me and just my, my belief, like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be the best in the world. So I can't wait till it all comes to fruition. You actually, uh, you moved back up. Was that a good move for you? Yeah, man, yeah, that was actually the best move of my life going back to uh, 155. Um, it was just way, way too heavy, too much of a um, weight cut trying to go 145. I, I was weighing like, you know, 170, you know, 175 trying to cut down to 145. And really, it was just killing my performance. And you couldn't even tell because I'm still like, you know, such an athlete, but like, I was out there fighting at like 60%. And, you know, you could tell my last fight, uh, you know, you you seen that more explosive Desi you used to see back when I was uh, first starting out. When I started at 55, when I first started going 45 before the weight cut started uh, wearing tear on me. Uh, so do you think, like, against your fight with Dre the Bull, do you think the weight cut is why you maybe didn't have as much output as you normally would have, despite it being a very close yeah. fight? Yeah, not, not only the weight cut, but I actually had a hip fracture, like, um, everybody in my camp knows, even, even in announcement, everybody in Titan, they knew, um, I, I was going into that fight with an injury. I didn't want to pull out just being stubborn and really wanting my belt back. And, uh, I should have, but I, you know, I, I had a left, uh, uh, I had a hip, a, a pointer fresh on my left hip. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't even get fully healthy until about like two months after the fight. But, um, 
you know, it's such a thing, you know, but that, that was like the main reason why I really couldn't do what I wanted to do. Yeah, and where are you training at nowadays, man? I'm in South Florida. I'm training with the Black Zillions. Um, man, it's the best camp I've been to. So, like, I haven't been to a lot, but, you know, I, I just feel, I feel like they're the best camp in the world right now. Um, they fit me perfect. I'm striking um, under Henry Hoof. Uh, you know, he's just, he just really developing my overall game. So, you know, I love it down here. Oh yeah, Henry Hoof's an absolute boss, man, and uh, that's a great yeah. that's a great team. It, it sounds like a good fit for you, man, because it's a night and day from TriStar, not just the gym, but the environment, the weather. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, everything. You know, like you said, just everything is different down here, and I, I fucking, I love it. I fell in love with it down here. They love me. It's a perfect fit. You know, the, the teammates love me, the coaches love me. I love them back. So you know, we get good working with each other. It's like a perfect match. That's what's up, and uh, you feel like telling us why you left TriStar? Uh, yeah, you know, actually, <laughs> it wasn't by choice. I love TriStar. I love the coaches. They love me. You know, things went the right way. I would have never even left, but I got into some legal trouble, and uh, I couldn't get back into Canada. So you know, Faraz actually helped everything. He tried everything he could. We wrote letters and all that, but. They just they weren't trying to hear it, so I had to postpone that for now. Oh man, that fucking law, dude. Yeah, yeah. So you you're actually fighting a dude named Dez in your next fight. Is this your first time fighting a guy with the same first name as you? Yeah, it is. It is, and it's fucking. And it's, uh, it's funny. I was like joking with my boys. I was like, yo, when I see this guy, I'm gonna tell him like, yo. You gotta have to change your name. There's only one true uh, Desmond around here. So, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm actually excited. You know, it's like my first time fighting um, a Desmond. It's my first time fighting like an, a, a well-known power puncher. So I'm just excited to show people. You know, um, you know, that I know how to neutralize every type of style. So I was to face off against him. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's going to be interesting, you know, when the corner, when each corner is going to be like, you know, one, two, Desmond, or, or you know, whatever, whatever they're saying. Yeah, out there. yeah, yeah. And they're saying for both sure, dudes' names. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, what's been the toughest fight of your career? And what I mean by that is which opponent has pushed you to that next level like no other? Um, toughest fight of my career, let me think, let me think. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, I will probably say it was actually this guy. I can't remember his name, but it was, I know it was my third pro fight. It was my only fight for CFFC. Um, his name was like Ryan something, and he was a tough son of a bitch. Oh, man. Ryan he Peterson. Fucking, this is before I, yes, yes, exactly. This is before I knew how to do any stand-up. I was only wrestling. So, you know, I went out, and I was taking him down, but he would get back up. And, you know, I tried to do a little bit of stand-up, and, like, you know, I was I was winning the exchanges, but all he was doing was power shots. So like I hit him with three or four, you know, just with a poop poop poop, and then you know I catch an uppercut, wham, and a couple of them rolled my eyes to the back of my head. And I was like, damn. After that, I was like, yeah, I really gotta know how to do stand up. But uh, you know, I won that fight, but nevertheless, I think that maybe it went that that was like a fight where I really had to, you know, nut up and be like, yo, fuck it, you're gonna get hit. You just gotta <laughs> go in there and after the hit, make it worth it and get the takedown. Yeah, you gotta dig deep sometimes, man. Yeah. So uh, when you fought Rob Font, I mean, could you tell that this dude was going to be a UFC fighter one day? When I fought him, no, I didn't, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not even trying to be an asshole, but when I fought Rob, I wasn't even training at, like, a, a real gym. I was still like, I was still in college at the time, and uh, I was just, I was just like, a high-level wrestler. And I'm like, you know, damn, I was like, damn, that was a close fight. This guy is pretty, 
pretty good jujitsu. But um, other than that, you know, I, I didn't really feel too threatened by him. I'm actually, I'm surprised. I'm happy he's doing, um, you know, as good as he is now. I know he's in the UFC. He's got a couple wins in there under his belt. So, uh, you know, that's great. Yeah, I need to go back and watch that fight, man. It sounds like uh, you took him to school. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, yeah, that, it was a wrestling match, really. You know, like I, I took him down every round and just basically controlled him on top. Yeah, man. Now, about your fight with Kurt Holub, I know it was a tough pill to swallow because a lot of people, myself included, thought you won that fight. I'm sure you uh, felt you won that fight. But you got to take a pause. Oh, especially you, being a champ. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. It must have sucked. But still, you must have learned a lot from that experience, right? Oh, man, so much, so much. Did. You know, mainly I learned that uh, a fight is never how you met. Like, you know, you never want to... You never want to give the fights to the judges because um, you never know what they think. You never know how they can score it. And, uh, you know, to this day, I still have no clue how they scored that fight. But, you know, I, the one thing I took away from that was I was like, you know what, I don't want to – I'm not trying to depend on judges anymore. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, I mean, you know, since that fight, you've knocked two dudes out in the first round. And uh, that just goes to show the kind of improvements that you've been making. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And this is going to be another, I feel, I feel like I'm going to have another first round finish, um, you know, with this next fight I have upcoming. Yeah, and that'll be a statement because, like you said, Des Hill, he's uh, known for his knockout power. So to go out there and finish a guy like that would be a big statement for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the goal. That's the goal. So, all right, man. So, I mean, how much longer until you make it to the big show? I mean, what, what do you got to do here? Because, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're already UFC caliber. So, what, what, what's it going to take? Man, I'm telling you, I think, I think, man, I just won one. I think if I win three or four straight, you know, my manager, my teammates, they think that uh, there's no denying me. So, I'm just, uh, all I'm looking for now is just to go on a win streak. Yeah, there is no denying you, man. And I guess uh, we're staying at 55, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm never going 45 again. And those days are done behind me. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like it's a good call, man. Well, so what's your prediction here? You're going to knock out Des Hill? Yeah, for sure. I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it in the first round. I'm, I'm going out there putting heavy pressure, heavy pressure. I got a statement to make. You know, like I, my thing is right now, I'm first rounding everybody until I get signed to the USC. And then when I get there, it's going to be nothing but high fireworks after that, too. There you go, man. That's what the fans like to hear, man. Now, real quick, before we get out of here, what kind of music you like, Des? Oh, you know me. I'm rap music. Love my rap music. Love my chat music. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been on Future Heavy lately. There you go. That's what's up, man. Well, hey, Des, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Let the audience know where to follow you on social media. Anything else you want to plug? Now's the time, my man. Uh, cool, cool, yo. Uh, you know, follow me on Facebook. Um, Desmond the Predator Green, and then uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at, um, what is it, Predator Tune, and uh, Twitter and Instagram, the same thing, Predator Tune. All right, Desmond, have a great day, bro. I appreciate it. There you have it, folks. Lutrician, Bilal Muhammad, and Desmond Green. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, and until the next time, enjoy the fights.